What's up, Four Points Church? I want to welcome everybody who's watching online. Listen, if you have not shared this service yet, let's share it so our friends and family and relatives, neighbors, everybody around can catch this service and get the message that I believe God wants you to have today in week five of social distancing. And I want y'all to know I'm very excited as we approach the time for y'all to come back. We have specific plans we're working through, but we also, as we're working through these plans to get you back in the service, we're working through details to make sure that you're safe and to give the best opportunity possible for y'all to come back. And so we'll be giving y'all details in the coming days, and we're extremely excited about that time counting down because I'm just letting y'all know I'm ready to preach to a full room in the next couple months rather than the last, I think it's eight weeks now that we've been doing online services, so I'm very excited to see your faces in Jesus' name. If you agree with me in this room, say amen. amen. Yes, Lord. So I'm excited about this particular message in our social distancing. If this is the first time that you're watching, uh, let me tell you what this is about. Social distancing is a very popular thing right now. If you haven't heard that, you've been living under a rock. Are you with me? Yes, Jesus. What's up? Yes, Jesus. But we don't think social distancing is the proper term. We, should, we think it should have been personal space distancing because the reality is we need social connections. Do y'all agree? We need, so, we need social connections. We need to be able to touch each other, at least emotionally, because isolation was never the intent that God had for human beings. We're supposed to be connected. And so as I was getting ready for this message, I was actually beginning to look over Tuesday what I wanted to do. And I had really planned out a message, and it was about 4 o'clock. And I felt like as surely as I'm standing here right now, the Lord told me, no, sir, that ain't what you're going to do this week. You're going to do something else. I want you to talk about this. What's this word, everybody? Worry. Don't worry. <laughs> Be happy. And it, it, this is a thing that I've kept hearing in my prayer time, but I just thought it was for me. But I knew for sure that God revealed to me that this is what I was supposed to teach on today. When it comes to social distancing, when it comes to this season, I'm well aware of the fact that a lot of you have had anxiety and worry take place. But I just want to remind you, if you've never heard this, you can go back and watch some of the old messages. But I've taught on this word a lot and what it means in the original language of the Bible. But it means separated from wholeness. It means, it means that, that I'm no longer feeling secure now I feel separated, and it has to do with our minds and how the enemy attacks us. But this is one particular word that I did not know that it meant until this week. It means distracted or distraction. And so all of us have dealt with distraction in our lives, right? We've all dealt with it. We've all had distraction issues. We've all struggled with distractions. But today's message title, I think y'all will enjoy this. I do. If y'all don't, y'all can get over it, is Fatal Distraction. Come on, somebody. Fatal distraction. Sharon Stone will not be joining me on the stage. Come on, somebody. Be good. That would be a real distraction if y'all know what I'm talking about. If you don't, don't watch it. All right. Fatal distraction. Fatal distraction. If y'all don't understand why that would be a good title, then y'all have not struggled with distraction. But someone with ADD in this room, that's me, understands distraction. Y'all with me? Some of y'all are saying no because you don't struggle with ADD, but I do. Squirrel, I do understand what... 
what it is to be distracted. But this isn't that kind of distraction where you just look away for a second. This is taking your eye off the ball. This is not not focusing on the things that we're supposed to be focusing on. I couldn't think of a better example of that than this right here. Because all of y'all are judging. Huh? All of y'all judging. But a bunch of y'all do it. How do I know? I sent you. <laughs> I'm waving at you as you're driving by, and y'all just texting away. And I'm like, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I thought this was interesting. There's a thing that they've come up with, a term that they've come up with for texting, and it's called um, looking but not seeing driving. Have y'all heard of that? It's called looking, but it's, it's a syndrome, looking but not seeing driving. So I thought about this. Have I ever struggled with this? Because I may or may not have texted and driven sometimes in the past, but I'm, 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 I'm done with that in Jesus' name. <laughs> Help me, Lord. For real. I'm really, I'm really trying not to ever text them. Put it down. We can do that in five minutes when we get somewhere. But, but this is literally what that, that, that uh, looking but not seeing syndrome really means. It means that, that I have my eyes focused on a particular place, but I actually am not paying attention to what's going on. And so we, we think that we have it under control when we're doing this, right? We think because we, we're looking at it, and then we can, we can hold it like this, and we can see out the front and, and so we kind of know, but, but the study says that we can actually drive hundreds of yards, hundreds of yards at a time, and have absolutely no clue what's going on because we focus on what she said or he said to us and what we need to say back rather than the freaking cars and trucks that are in front of us are about to hit us. Are y'all with me? It happens all the time, all around us, because people will be swerving all over the road on the interstate, and you're like, what is wrong with that person? And the thing that's happening is this, because I thought this was a good picture. I was looking for a picture, and I thought this was a good one because it's blurry. And the reality is I have had this happen, and this is way long ago in the past, but I've had this happen where I've looked up and said, wow, I wonder how long I've been doing this, right? Because we are distracted, but we're, we're, we're continuing to go, and then all of a sudden we look up and go, ooh, I missed my exit. I was supposed to hit my exit a long time ago, and I missed my exit. Why? Because I was distracted because I have my focus on somewhere that it should not be. And I want to show you in Matthew chapter 6, this is Jesus preaching the most famous message in the history of all messages, the Sermon on the Mount is what it's called, and he specifically talks about worry, but I believe he's talking about distractions inside of this worry. And look at this in Matthew 6, starting in verse 25, he says, this is, what, this is why I tell you don't worry about your life, what you'll eat, or drink, or about your body and what you'll wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? He says, look at the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they are? Now, for Peter people out there, we don't want you to answer this because the answer is yes. Come on, somebody. Here we go. Can any of you add a single cubit? That, that just... Just say inch if you don't understand what that is. Can you add any, any height to yourself by worrying? Ooh, I wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I was a baller. I wish I had a girl. Caller. If you didn't grow up in the 90s, you don't know what I'm talking about. Because I wish I had a rabbit in a hat with a bat and a 6'4 father. 
But it's like, can you add any height to yourself by just worrying, by, by focusing on what you wish you were or what you wish you weren't or, or being distracted by the things that you would like to control? Does that help you at all? The answer is, nope. He says, and why do you worry about your clothes? I could preach this right now because it is ridiculous how much we worry about. Does this match? Does this look pretty? Should I wear mom jeans or should I wear low riders? I do have Jordans on today for all the LeBron fans. Goat is coming back tonight for the last ones. That's okay if you like LeBron. You're, you're allowed to be wrong. All right, here we go. And why do you worry about your clothes? Just learn uh, these wildflowers of the field and how they grow. They don't labor or spin, and, and they don't try to look pretty and look cool. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. He says, if that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and then it's thrown into the furnace and it's gone tomorrow, won't he do much more for you? You have little faith. Now listen, this is the key verse. He says, so don't worry saying, what will you eat or what will you drink or what will you wear? For the idolaters or the pagans or the people that don't know Jesus eagerly seek these things. Someone say seek. Because if you want to know what's distracted you or what you're focused on, then that's the key word is seek. What I'm seeking is what I'm focusing on today. He said all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. He said, why do you keep worrying about this? And this and this, these three things pop up multiple times. And so I want to give you the three fatal distractions. This is not special. You're not going to be blown away by these three things because Jesus said them multiple times and then he gave specific examples in this passage. Why are you focusing on these? Matter of fact, he says it like this. Why are you seeking what you wear, what you eat, or what you drink? Why are those the things that you're putting your attention on? Why is that the most important thing to you? Here's the reality. A lot of us say, no, 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 Pastor Mark. Jesus is most important. That works real good in Sunday school, everybody. But when I'm doing business with you, and when I say business, I'm not talking about an actual business transaction, although it might be, but I'm talking about doing life with you. When I have to have interaction with you, I can tell. And so can you. If in your life, you're asleep at the wheel looking up and having, you, you actually are looking at it, but you ain't seeing it. You haven't perceived what God wants you to perceive in a long time. Why? Because the enemy has you distracted. He is an illusionist that loves. Matter of fact, he'll give you everything that your heart desires as long as you never seek him. It's never, as long as you never put your attention on Jesus. So I just want to show you these three fatal distractions today and why worry overwhelms us, why many of us have had anxiety that's up to here that is not a chemical imbalance. It's not really a chemical imbalance we're struggling with. It, it, it just happens to be that our eyes are focused on the wrong thing. So number one is eat. Everybody say eat. Now I'm going to let y'all know this today. I ain't missed a lot of meals. It's okay to laugh. I'm not carrying the COVID-19, I'm carrying the COVID-10. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? When we add 10, when we sitting there during quarantine. So I ain't been missing meals, even though we ain't been able to eat at a restaurant, and to God be the glory, we can eat at them again. Can someone say amen? Yes, Lord. Don't 
like to be in the jail of our homes. I ain't missed too many meals. And exercise is not something I've been distracted by, if you know what I'm talking about. So COVID-10 has come to my house. But this is something that we focus on. And look at what Jesus said in John chapter 6. He says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone, what's this word? Anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I, that I will give for the life of the world is in my flesh. Remember, at communion, at the Last Supper, Jesus said, take this and eat it. Whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of me. He said, this is my body broken for you. Now, if you're on this mountain and Jesus has just fed the 5,000, which actually means 20,000 people, right? And you look down and you're like, I want to hear what this dude has to say. And then they sneak over to Capernaum, which is a town that you can see from this hill that Jesus fed the 5,000 at. And dude says, you remember that bread that I took from that dude's uh, Happy Meal yesterday when I took five loaves and two fish? They don't have a fish Happy Meal, but they do in Israel. And, and I, I took my man's fish and I took my man's bread and then I spread it out. And all 20,000 or so people counting families, they all got to eat. And he said, but I'm actually the living bread. I'm, I'm the bread that you can eat from and never be hungry again. If you'll focus on me, you don't have to worry about all that other stuff. Because in that moment, his disciples during the feeding of 5,000 were like, oh my gosh, what do we do? Jesus, we got a problem. We got one dude out of 20,000, which I still have questions about. Why did nobody bring a lunchbox? But anyway, we'll just keep going. But, but the one cat brings food, and then, and then John's like, Jesus. We're going to need 200 denarii, which is, roughly, which is roughly what a few of us together would make for the year to feed all these cats. Like, there's no way. We can't, we, can't, we can't afford to feed everybody here. I mean, just imagine buying everybody a meal at Chick-fil-A out of 20,000 of them. Come on, somebody. Can we afford that? I can't. Right? And so he's looking at Jesus going, I'm worried that this can't happen. And Jesus is like, why are you worried? You got me. I'm the bread of life. And then right after that, you would think everybody would teach it, but here's what's fast, or everybody would get what he was teaching, excuse me, but what is so interesting is that chapter 6, right here, verse 66, says many of them left and never returned. That many people that heard his teaching that were at the feeding of the 5,000 that saw him take bread and take fish and make it multiply so all of them could eat it. They said, no, nah, this is weird. This is too hard. See, I don't think the teaching and the understanding of Jesus is what's difficult. I think not worrying is where you get into trouble because you got to seek the kingdom. Because you got to have your focus on the right thing. Accepting the fact that Jesus died on the cross for me is a broad road. But beginning to walk the kingdom way is a narrow road. And it's difficult, and it's, not, and it's not for the faint of heart, which is why so many of us don't listen to what Philippians, I about said Proverbs. Philippians chapter 4 says, be anxious, be worry about nothing, but in everything in prayer and supplication, present your request to God. One of my requests is, what shall I eat? And he's like, don't worry about that. Present it to me, and the peace that passes all understanding will guard me. He says, I'll give you life if you let me be what fills you. Second thing is drink. Someone say drink. I like this one. Remember at communion, 
there was a bread that he broke, and then there was a cup that he drank, and he says, do this in remembrance of me. But before that happened, in John chapter 4, he meets with this lady who he never should have met with because she's a Samaritan. And, and in this passage, this lady's like, I, I come to this well, but I come at noon, the hottest part of the day, because I don't want anybody to see me because I've been married five times and I'm living with my sixth husband. And she didn't tell Jesus that. Jesus told her that, and she's confused in this whole conversation. And Jesus says, I can give you a drink that you'll never be thirsty again. And she says, sir, give me that drink. And Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. Because that water, he said, the water that I will give him will become inside of him a spring of welling up to eternal life. It's living water. He said, I'm not talking about physical water. I'm not talking about wine. I'm not talking about anything like that. I'm talking about me. The thing that will quench your thirst forever and ever and ever is not an actual thing. And we focus on stuff. And listen, I'm just going to speak on this for a second. We focus on things like, like, I'm worried about, is this right to drink or is this right to drink? And by the way, Christians, let me just talk to you a second. You worry about the wrong stuff. It doesn't matter. The Bible says, be drunk not with wine, but be filled with the Holy Ghost. And so if you're getting drunk, you're wrong. But if you're worried about what your partner's drinking and you're not seeking first the kingdom, then you're wrong. Your focus is off. Because it doesn't matter if it's this, this, or this. It matters if I'm being filled with him. If he is what's filling me up, and we, we focus so much of our attention on our own righteousness that we forget that it's not our righteousness, but his righteousness in the first place. Because there's nothing that Mark Pangle can do, including talking to a microphone, that fills me, except for the living water. That's what fills me up. That's what I have eternal life from. It's a spring. And look, it says in John chapter 7, a couple chapters later, three chapters later, it says on the last, and in some translations, on the greatest day of the feast, on the last and great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone's thirsty, because you focused your energy on what should I drink, or how can I drink, or where will my drink come from, and said, no, listen, any of y'all that are thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart. Now listen, it does not say out of Jesus' heart. I want y'all to not miss this. It does not say out of his heart. It is out of that. But it becomes out of you. Because what's in him starts being in you. He says, he says whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart flows rivers of living water. That's us. The living water flows out of here. Because he is in here. And me focusing my energy on him is what changes my distraction of being at the wheel but not really know where I'm going. And I've got the GPS set, but I'm really focusing on who I need to text back because I'm worried about eating and I'm worried about drinking. And the third thing is I'm worried about what to wear. I thought this was so cool because the word wear or clothing means the exact same thing in the Greek as this word. Put on. Everybody say, put on. Romans 13, 14 says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and do not make plans to gratify the desires of the flesh. Put on. Put on the Lord Jesus. Put on the Lord Jesus. I'm not suggesting for one second that it does not matter 
if we wear clothes or not. Come on, somebody. Right? It matters. But what I am suggesting is it matters if you're putting on the Lord Jesus every day. Literally, this goes back to last week's message. If I put on Jesus on Sunday, but I didn't put him on again on Monday, then I'm attracting the flies. Then I've, then I've let my attention shift and my focus begins to be off of what it's supposed to be on. And therefore, I will, I will be distracted. And watch this. As soon as I become distracted with my purpose of what God's put me on this planet to accomplish, which is to be a part of God's kingdom, which is to build his kingdom, which is, which is to be a, a piece of the puzzle in the body of Christ. Because all of us joined together are that. And whenever I miss the point, then I will worry about what I eat or what I drink or what I wear, and I won't worry about putting on the Lord Jesus. I won't worry that he is my bread. He is my water that is living. He is the wine that renews me. And so... So all of my life I'll live distracted in hope that on Sunday or during a Bible study or during other things I can lose the distraction. And just for a moment, we say stuff like this, don't we? I need a vacation so that I can be distracted from my real life. I don't want a distraction vacation. I want a vacation just because I want a vacation with my family and my friends and my people. But I don't need a distraction from my purpose. Come on, somebody. I need focus on what God's called me to. And most of the time, my problem is I, I don't like what he's called me to or, or I wish that he had called me to something greater or I don't think it's quite as good. But I can never judge that if I haven't put all my focus on that. And I think it's so cool what Jesus said, continuing in Matthew 6, because I stopped it in verse 32. He says, no, listen, this is how you cannot be distracted. If you want to know how to rid yourself of everyday simple things that are your worries or anxieties. He said, seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. I'm going I'm to creep out on the ice that will make some of y'all very uncomfortable theologically. But I don't care because it's what Jesus said. So we're going to go with Jesus and not what your tradition said growing up. He did not say seek first your church. He did not say seek first your denomination. He did not say seek first your Bible. He said seek first the kingdom and his, not your, his righteousness. Seek first the kingdom. What is the kingdom? It's the realm. It's the realm of a king that does not just exist in one place, which I'm talking about heaven, but it's supposed to exist here. Your kingdom come earlier in the chapter. Your will be done here as it is in heaven. Why do I not see kingdom come here as it is in heaven? Because I'm worried about what I eat or what I drink or what I wear. I'm distracted from kingdom living. I'm not seeking first the kingdom. I'm not realizing that everything that I do it's supposed to be pointing people not just to Jesus because, yes, Jesus first, but also that we're to establish this place as the territory that God is sovereign over. That this may be a, a foreign nation. And Paul said, I'm an alien, a stranger in a foreign place, but I'm the governor. And you're governors. And we're taking territory because this colony may be called Earth, may be called South Carolina, may be called Spartanburg County, but this is kingdom territory, everybody. And we seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. Come on, somebody. 
And then watch what he said. And all these things that you're distracted by, thinking that you're going the right direction because you go through a motion called a quiet time or go through a motion called going to church or, or having church online, but you're not seeking with all your heart and focusing all your energy on seeking Jesus. And he's like, you've got to stop being distracted and put all your energy on that or else you will be distracted. Why? Because tomorrow has its own problems. He said, don't worry about all that stuff. Stop being distracted by what's it going to look like tomorrow. This never says don't plan. It says don't worry. It is wise to plan out what you have to do tomorrow. It is foolish or ignorant to let it overcome you and focus on that and not building God's kingdom. You were not made. I don't care if your only talent is to dig. There are ditches that need to be dug for the kingdom of God. He said, if you'll just let tomorrow be tomorrow, it's got its own trouble. It'll take care of itself. And we need each other. We need to lock arms as the family of God all across the world. But it's never helped me to put my energy and focus anywhere but seeking first the kingdom. And I love this verse, and I think it's an amazing way to close because Romans 14, 17 says the kingdom of God is not a matter of, look at this, eating and drinking. You see that? It's not a matter of eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. It's in Him, in the Holy Spirit, that I find this. It's being filled every day, renewing my mind, offering my body a living sacrifice that's holy and pleasing to God. And any time that I decide, all right, God, I got enough of you today, now I'm just going to go get what's mine. I've missed the point. It's all his. God's called me to steward however much he can trust putting in my hand. But it's all his, y'all. Every bit of it is his. I was never supposed to believe that any of this was about me. It's about establishing his kingdom here as it is in heaven. And it's about righteousness, which does not mean self-righteousness. It means his righteousness. That's what I seek first, the kingdom and his righteousness. And then this word peace, remember, the word anxiety or worry means separated from wholeness due to distraction. This word is literally the opposite word in the Greek. It means wholeness. Wholeness in him. Be anxious for nothing but in everything in prayer and thanksgiving. Present your request to God in the peace of God which passes all understanding guards my heart and mind. I cannot have that peace if I'm distracted. And then I love this verse. Y'all have heard me say this before I think but the word joy is the word chara and it simply means awareness of God's goodness in my life. That gladness in your life is not going to come from an event but it's going to come from daily awareness of God's goodness in your life and if that does not exist then you can be sure that you will not be a kingdom person because you will be about what do I eat or what do I drink or what do I wear. But if you can realize that you were called to change an upstate, to change a neighborhood, to change a family, not because he's made you great, but because he's great in you. And because no matter what your weakness is, the kingdom is not about taking someone that's strong and making them stronger. Because God said, where you are weak, he is strong. 
So he loves to take those who are weak and elevate them to a place that people are dumbfounded, amazed. How in the world is that woman doing that? How in the world is that man doing that? Well, it's not me because the kingdom is not what I eat or what I drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And as a result, people will be amazed and lives will be changed and they'll say, how did he do that? How did she do that? And you can simply say, it's the power of God on my life. It's because I've submitted everything to God and said, I choose you. So listen to me. I know there's people that are in here and most especially people at home. You woke up today and you were thinking to yourself, I'm at wit's end. I don't know where to turn. I can't fix this. God did not call you to fix it. He called you to trust. And inside of that trust, it may not go the way that you think it should go, but if you'll just keep walking with him and seeking first the kingdom and his righteousness, that, that because Jesus died on the cross, he made you in right standing with God. Never anything that I'm able to do, but only because he already accomplished it by the finished work of Jesus on the cross. God sees me as he sees Jesus. And then I can stand upright, not thinking that I'm better than anyone else, not self-righteous, but I can stand upright saying, you called me to this. And if you said it, I believe it. You said it, I believe it. For the rest of my life, I can chase and seek first the kingdom, not worrying about what I eat or drink or wear, but only seeking first the kingdom and his righteousness. Y'all, I just believe that God ordained this message for you. I don't know who you are. I don't know why you needed it. But I believe for some of you, it's so that you can be a part of the family of God. And I believe it's as simple as this. Jesus said, Jesus said, and then Paul repeats, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I believe that this salvation is a whosoever will. I believe it's whoever decides they will make Jesus the Lord of their life, they're allowed to be a part of the family of God. I do not believe that that immediately makes you someone that seeks the kingdom. That's a decision we make every day. But salvation and being part of this family is simply saying, Jesus, I choose you. I'm lost. I've been wandering. I didn't think there was any hope for me. I had no idea that this salvation, this gospel was for every single man, woman, and child. And I choose to say yes to Jesus. And listen, this is what I want you to do. Just right where you sit. I want you to say something like this. Jesus, I know I've done wrong. I've messed up in my life. But I believe you are who you say you are. And I choose to give you my life today. So Jesus, I want to be a part of the family. I believe you died and rose again. And I give you my life. I need salvation to come to my house today. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Listen, I believe with all my heart that if you say it and you mean it, that Jesus comes in your life and he rescues you and in that moment you have life in his name. You have a place in heaven. You no longer have to have hell as your destiny. And if you prayed it and meant it, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get your cell phone out right now and I want you to text this number, 864606. 3600, 864-606-3600. You'll see it on your screen. Text one word alive. And listen, we want to help you begin to walk with Jesus. Begin to live that kingdom lifestyle that God has called you to, to change the life of not just you, but everyone around you. And God will do that. But the first step is let us know so that we can walk with you, so that we can help you. Are we excited about people in this place?
Are we excited that we believe people have trusted Jesus? Come on, somebody. <clears throat> Listen, I want to say this to everybody else. Because I'm going to close with this thought before our amazing worship team comes back up here and they lead us in a song to close us. <clears throat> I've been praying a lot because we've had time, right? I've been praying a lot about what do you want next, God, and where do you want us to go? And I've been burdened about finances. And I'm going to tell you what I personally believe. I personally believe that most of you, most of you who are listening to me right now who consider yourself a four points want to tithe. But you're either in a financial place that you can't or you're in disagreement with people in your family. And therefore, it is a struggle to tithe. I want y'all to know this. I believe you can be saved and go to heaven and not tithe. But I do not believe you can receive an inheritance in Christ Jesus and live it here on earth and not. There are some things that are behavioral that I believe have to do with kingdom living. And this is one of them. This is not me giving. This is me returning back what belongs to God. And if it seems like I'm being forceful, it's because I love you. Because I don't want something from you. I want it for you. And I am convinced to the bottom of my core, all of me, that you cannot receive the inheritance that God has called you to if you don't first obey him. Because the Bible says, and I read it this week in the one-year Bible, obedience is greater than sacrifice. And so if you sacrifice in momentary occasions, but you never choose to obey, I think what God would say to you is, Stop worrying about what you eat or drink or wear and trying to get out of jail free by tipping me from time to time. But just do what I called you to do. And if you can't do it because you put yourself in a financial place, this is what I personally believe. Start making steps to get there. God is not mad at you. God is never mad at you when you can't. He knows your heart. But the steps to get there are beginning to be obedient in him. And I'm just asking some of y'all to step out and trust him. He said, test me. The only time in the Bible that he said to test him was when it came to money. Read it in Malachi 3. He said, test me and see if I don't fill the vats of your barn. See if I don't, see if I don't fill you up. If you'll trust me and return to me what belongs to me. So I'm just asking you to begin to take steps with God and return what belongs to him. You can do it online and, you'll, and we'll show you the ways to give. I just want you to follow what the Holy Spirit leads you to do. 864 864 606-3600, text the word give if you want to give that way, or you can give online. It's simple, safe, and easy. But listen, the most important thing to me is your heart. And I do not believe you can walk with God and begin to see your fullest life take place if you withhold what belongs to him. I love y'all. Will y'all just stand and let's just worship God right now? Because I believe God is doing something in your life. And the best way that he can seal it is just don't worry about do I sound good when I sing? And just make a joyful noise to the Lord right now. Let's lift up our hands and just sing to Jesus in this place. God, we love you and we worship you in this place.